You're listening to the podcast for Gloucester Evangelical Presbyterian Church, a church in Gloucester, England. So reading uh, this evening is in uh, Habakkuk, the prophet Habakkuk, and uh, it's in chapter 3, and um, we're particularly going to focus on uh, verses, uh, or consider verses 16 to 19, the last part, but um, we'll read it in context, so we'll read the whole of chapter 3. A prayer of Habakkuk uh, the prophet, according to Shigionath. O Lord, I have heard the report of you, and your work, O Lord, do I fear. In the midst of the years, revive it. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. God came from Taman, and the Holy One from Mount Paran. His splendor covered the heavens, and the earth was full of his praise. His brightness was like the light. Rays flashed from his hand, and there he veiled his power. Before him went pestilence, and plague followed at his heels. He stood and measured the earth. He looked and shook the nations. Then the eternal mountains were scattered. The everlasting hills sank low. His were the everlasting ways. I saw the tents of Cushion in affliction. The curtains of the land of Midian did tremble. Was your wrath against the rivers, O Lord? Was your anger against the rivers or your indignation against the sea when you rode on your horses on your chariot of salvation? You stripped the sheath from your bow, calling for many arrows. You split the earth with rivers. The mountains saw you and writhed. The raging waters swept on. The deep gave forth its voice. It lifted its hands on high. The sun and moon stood still in their place. At the light of your arrows as they sped. At the flash of your glittering spear. You marched through the earth in fury. You threshed the nations in anger. You went out for the salvation of your people, for the salvation of your anointed. You crushed the head of the house of the wicked, laying him bare from thigh to neck. You pierced with his own arrows the heads of his warriors, who came like a whirlwind to scatter me, rejoicing as if to devour the poor in secret. You trampled the sea with your horses, the surging of mighty waters. I hear, and my body trembles. My lips quiver at the sound. Rottenness enters into my bones. My legs tremble beneath me. Yet I will quietly wait for the day of trouble to come upon people who invade us. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines. 
produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herds in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places to the choir master with stringed instruments. Amen. Well, we've uh, heard a few uh, sermons, last three sermons really looking uh, towards uh, the new year, uh, last week and this week. Um, and a couple of resolutions. We've remembered Psalm 119 and uh, being resolved to store up God's word in our, our hearts. And then Psalm 90, last week, uh, teach us, O Lord, to number our days, that we uh, get a heart of wisdom. Uh, this morning, uh, remembering the, the, our need of the Holy Spirit, how essential the Holy Spirit is in our lives and in our church. Uh, and maybe just one more sermon then to do with New Year. Uh, I was preparing this and thinking of the New Year ahead, so if you permit me, uh, we'll uh, think, particularly with Habakkuk, uh, what it might uh, hold in store for us as we look towards uh, the year ahead. Well, that could be something on our minds, can't it? Looking ahead and, and wondering what the Lord has in store for us. Uh, maybe a day ahead, a week ahead, the year ahead. Uh, but maybe a better or maybe more helpful thing uh, to consider, at least this evening, is what might our response be? What will be our response to whatever the Lord has in store for us in his providence, uh, day by day, week by week, year by year, until, until he comes again, until we're taken first to glory? What might our response be? Uh, to what the Lord has in store for us. Uh, we know, don't know very much at all about uh, the prophet uh, Habakkuk. Uh, there's reference uh, in chapter 1 to the Lord raising up the Chaldeans. Uh, so we can take it the, the best uh, guess that people have is that he lived at some point in the latter half of the 7th century BC, uh, somewhere between the reign of Manasseh, King Manasseh, in Jerusalem and the final fall and uh, the destruction of temple in 586 BC. Uh, I doubt if uh, any of us looking to the year ahead would want to face what Habakkuk had to face up to. Uh, war and deprivation and exile. That's not, uh, not very... Uh, fun to look forward to. And yet, at the end, it's just stunning, at the end of this book, Habakkuk responds uh, to what he's heard from the Lord, what he has in store, uh, with this corporate psalm of prayer and, and, and praise, recalling the mighty deeds of the Lord, and then this, uh, this stunning uh, resolution is resolved in, in verse 18, yet Whatever is coming, what I know is coming, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. 
uh, I want us to just notice that that comes to the end, end of the book. There's a bit of a journey that Habakkuk's on here. And I just want to, this evening, maybe just look at something of the movement of that journey, how Habakkuk ends up in this place before the Lord, rejoicing in the Lord. And firstly, uh, verse 16 kind of shows something of this, that his faith is being and has been exercised by the Lord. His faith is exercised. Then he moves into joy in verse 18. Uh, And lastly, we see that thereby he has been strengthened to live, strengthened to keep on trusting in and following the Lord. The first thing uh, that we see then really is that how the Lord exercises the, the faith of his people. It says elsewhere in Habakkuk, the Lord's ways are everlasting. His ways are everlasting. Uh, the way he works in the life of Habakkuk uh, is the way he continues to work in the life of his people. And we see here how the Lord exercises Habakkuk's faith. And so he will be doing the same in our lives. In verse 16, he says, I hear and my body trembles. My lips quiver at the sound. Rottenness, literally weakness, he's, he's, he's weak. Rottenness enters my bones. My legs tremble within me. Yet I will wait quietly for the day of trouble to come upon people who invade us. So why is, why is Habakkuk speaking like this? And if you happen to have your Bibles before you or, or, or do a very, very, very short summary of quickly from chapters 1 down, down to the end here in chapter 3, well, if you went back to chapter 1, the very beginning, you see that the beginning is just deeply, deeply distressed. He's distressed by, the, it seems, the prevailing sins among the pub, covenant people of God in, in Judah and Jerusalem. And, and so he cries out there in verses 1 to 4 of chapter 1, O Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not hear? Why do you idly look at wrong? And he goes on. But it's interesting, he's... You just see, you just hear his anguish. You're seeing the sins of the people around him uh, and, and the sins in the culture and society around him. And he's crying out to the Lord. Lord, why, you know, why don't you care? Why are you not acting? Uh, why are you letting injustice go unrestrained? Uh, don't you care about the honor of your name, about the unfaithfulness uh, of your people? And the Lord answers Habakkuk goes on in verses 5 to 11 of chapter 1. And he says to Habakkuk, look among the nations and see, wonder and be astounded. For I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. For I'm raising up the Chaldeans. They all come for violence, verse 9. They gather captives like sand. And then verse 11, guilty men whose own might is their God. So for Habakkuk, that's even more perplexing. Uh, He says in verse 12, chapter 1, O Lord, you have ordained them as a judgment, and you, O rock, have established them for reproof. So he's saying, I'm crying out to you about the sins of of the covenant people. And yes, you're acting. Yes, we deserve uh, we deserve this, this chastening, this judgment uh, for our sins. But by the Chaldeans, 
by the Chaldeans, whose own might is their God, this godless uh, people, this godless nation. And he says in verse 13, you who are of purer eyes than to see evil and cannot look at wrong. So how can God, who's holy, who's just, be using a people uh, who, who are intent, intent on really destroying God's people, uh, who, who, who are full of violence uh, and full of sin themselves? And then chapter 2, uh, the Lord, uh, he puts this to the Lord. He, he's a, he is as a watchman. He waits for the Lord to respond. The Lord responds in chapter 2. And there are just three things that I've seen in that chapter picked out that are important, I think, for Habakkuk to see. The first thing Habakkuk needs to know in verse 4 is, the righteous, the Lord says, the righteous shall live by his faith. Okay, these are people coming, people puffed up in their pride. But the righteous shall live by his faith. We know in the New Testament that um, that's used in terms of the doctrine of justification uh, by faith alone. We're saved by righteous. We're saved by faith alone, in Christ alone, not by our works. The righteous shall live by his faith. I think here that the the uh, also in Hebrews though it speaks of. Uh, the righteous shall live by his faith in terms of the perseverance of that faith. Uh, faith in the Lord is a fa- faith that continues to look to the Lord through, through thick and through thin. And I think what the, what the Lord is saying to Habakkuk is, look, Habakkuk, uh, there, there's hope for you. You know, I, I'm bringing these things upon, upon Judah and Jerusalem in order to preserve a remnant. Okay, my people will live. Uh, the church you know, is not going to be wiped out. I'm going to save a remnant. Uh, I'm exercising, if you like, uh, their faith. If you think really of the, the idolatry of, uh, of Israel, of Judah and Jerusalem, it's, he's, he's doing this work to refine his people, uh, to bring them to repentance and to, to cause them to continue to exercise their faith in him. And faith, in the end, it will be vindicated. My righteous shall live. They will live by his faith in me. Uh, this, this salvation is of grace. Uh, and and the, the Lord gives, and they, those who look to him, they will live. They will not ultimately die. They will live. So he needs to know that the righteous shall live by his faith. Secondly, he needs to know that justice will be done. The uh, Lord is raising up nations, uh, some wicked nations to actually bring judgment on other, other nations and raises them up for a while and then brings them down and raises up others and brings them down. Uh, justice, he says, will be done upon the Chaldeans. In verse 8 of chapter 2, he says, all the remnant of the people shall plunder you. He's talking to the Chaldeans. And then actually to all the nations uh, in verse 13, that justice will be done in the world. Uh, behold, he says, is it not from the Lord of hosts that peoples labor merely for fire? Justice uh, will be done. There's salvation and there's justice. The third thing he needs to know is that the Lord is working to establish his kingdom forever. In verse 14 of chapter 2, he says, for the earth will be filled 
with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. God has got this great kingdom plan and great kingdom purpose. And uh, he's using all these events, uh, even uh, the, the raising of the nations, the bringing of nations down in Habakkuk's day to this day uh, for that, his great redemptive purpose uh, and the great kingdom of Jesus Christ uh, to be fulfilled for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord and that glory that we see in the face of Jesus Christ as the waters cover the sea. Wonderful. Well, Habakkuk's faith was, was tested, really tested. Uh, maybe uh, you've been tested recently in your faith or are going through something like that now. Uh, like Habakkuk, it's sometimes when you know, the, the character of the Lord, what we know about his holiness, uh, of his goodness, of his concern with sin, uh, it doesn't seem to match up with our lived experience. Um, Stephen, even thinking of this morning and you know, think, think of the Lord's uh, desire for us to be holy and we're crying out for because of the sin in our own lives that we see in the families or, or we see around us and wonder why, why, you know, why are you allowing these things to continue or, or not bringing more people into the kingdom we, we wrestle with these things in our own lives uh, our faith is exercised but then it can also be exercised when really facing the reality of what it means to be uh, caught up in God's great kingdom plan, just like Habakkuk was. What, what, what it actually meant for Habakkuk. He see, we see that this is the Lord's hand in, in bringing justice to judgment. I'm going to be caught up in that. Uh, there's no, no escape from that. I'm caught, going to be caught up in this. Because... Uh, cause some trembling. I think there's even more than that though is not just in thinking of uh, the destruction that's going to come through the Chaldeans we raised up, but when he's given this vision of the Lord in chapter 3 uh, that's where the trembling comes. It's after that that he says he's trembling. You know, it's, it's the Lord who is, who is almighty. Uh, it's the Lord who goes forth to thresh the nations. And it's been caught up in, in, in the one who's that majestic and that glorious to be able to raise up nations and bring them down. It, it causes Habakkuk to quake. And why does the Lord do this? And we see that in just at the end of verse 16. In order that, he says, he might wait quietly, might wait quietly upon the Lord to fulfill his promises. So I just thought it interesting here. Think about how the Lord exercises the faith of his people. I think thinking about this and thinking about how it's seen most clearly in our Lord Jesus Christ himself. Uh, if you just think about Gethsemane as, as Jesus approaches uh, the cross, and, and he goes there saying he's, he's astonished. He's astonished at what the Lord has, has before him. He's astonished at uh, what, what it means uh, to be the redeemer of God's people, what it will mean to be uh, fulfill God's great plan of redemption and endure the cross. And he says he's so sorrowful. 
even to death. He prayed this prayer three times. If it is possible, Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. There's this struggle there. There's this wrestling. There's this astonishment at being caught up in and fulfilling God's great redemptive plan. We see it also in the Apostle Paul. In Philippians 4, Verse 11, he says this, uh, I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Now, Lord Jesus Christ, remember in Gethsemane, he prays, he's struggling, he prays that prayer three times, and then he comes out of that with that quietness and that, that contentment and that resolution to, to do all that the Father has before him. Paul's saying something similar here. I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. He had to says, learn the secret uh, through God's providence. It, it, it wasn't just something that came straight away to him. He said, through plenty and hunger and abundance and need, he had to learn uh, the secret of contentment. He had to have his faith exercised through all of God's providence. And so it's a, <coughs> the same for us. With, you know, whatever tomorrow I may bring, we don't know what it will bring, but we do know that the the Lord will continue to exercise our faith, to exercise our trust uh, in Him. So that's, that's the first thing of His journey. So it's a, a faith that's exercised by God's providence in our lives. But we see the, the point of this and what the Lord is doing through this. And secondly, uh, in the next verse, uh, it's a faith exercised in order to produce joy though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines. The produce of the olive fail, and fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. So Habakkuk's could be caught up in this uh, devastation that's going to befall the land and this exile of, of the people. So how can he rejoice? Uh, well, because of the object of his faith, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. Ultimately, the, the one before him and who causes us to tremble it's actually the one who brings us uh, that joy, that, not just that contentment, but the joy of knowing that he is the God of our salvation. Not only the one who goes through to thresh the nations, but goes out for the salvation of his people. So who is the Lord? He's the covenant-making. He's the covenant-keeping God. He's the one who promises to be working all things together for the good those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. And, and there's joy. There's joy for all those who come to know and rest in him as the God of my salvation. The God of my salvation. Much of uh, the imagery in, in chapter 3 is derived from, from, seems from the book of Exodus. Uh, the Lord comes from Paran, from Sinai. 
Uh, you see pestilence and plagues in his wake. You see rivers and seas divided. Think about the, the children of Israel passing through the Red Sea and, the, and then the Jordan to the Promised Land. He comes, he's, he goes out to save his anointed. You see the, the, the head of the, the house of the wicked crushed. You think of Pharaoh crushed uh, uh, under the waves, destroyed under the waves. But he comes to redeem his people. So Habakkuk rejoices. Uh, he rejoices once he's recalled how the Lord has come to act on behalf of and save his people. And so it's the same for us. Joy, where's joy come, for, come to us? It comes when we look to Jesus Christ. As we recall and as we rest on what the Lord has done for us, what he is doing for us, and what he will do for us in Jesus Christ. Through his life, uh, through his death, and through his resurrection uh, on our behalf. He's given us this living hope uh, through Jesus Christ. He's given us joy for the past, the joy of our forgiveness of our sins. Uh, joy that he has gone out. He has, he has acted in might and in power to deliver us uh, through the cross. There's joy in the present. Uh, there's joy as the Holy Spirit brings and applies that work of redemption uh, to our lives. Uh, joy in, in that lost communion with God being, being, being resolved in Jesus Christ. You know, that he is the, 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 the door, if you like, back to communion with God. One great shepherd laid down his life for the sheep that we may go in and enjoy again uh, communion with God. Joy for the present, joy for the future. That he is coming again. He will come again to judge the world and to vindicate uh, the faith of his people. There's joy in the Lord as we uh, look to him. We hear again the same, something similar in, in the Apostle Paul again in Philippians 4. He says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, Rejoice. And that was from a man suffering imprisonment going through trial after trial after trial. And yet you could say he rejoiced and he called us, called us to rejoice in the Lord always. That's, that's an exhortation, an imperative even for, for Christians to which Habakkuk responds you know, almost 600 years earlier by, by the grace of God, by the work of the Spirit in his life. So we see the Lord is, is a work exercising our faith that we might learn to wait upon him look to him and find in him all, all our joy uh, in the midst of all our circumstances. So maybe we could uh, just add one more New Year's resolution. Maybe that one from the Apostle Paul. Come what may, the day ahead, the year ahead, come what may, by the grace of God, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. A wonderful word, isn't it? I will take joy in the God of my salvation. Finally then, that we see the Lord exercises our faith that we may find joy in him and thereby the Lord strengthens his people. In verse 19, the God the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places. 
So this, this words, the, the echo, uh, David's psalm, Psalm 18, which is a psalm of triumph, where the Lord has caused him to, uh, he, where he's delivered him from all his enemies. He has triumphed over his enemies. And uh, some commentators then look, I think this refers then to, to a future, to a future inheritance in Christ that's secure and, a, and that final vindication uh, in Christ when he comes again. One, one puts it like this, the, the heights of the earth, the places of conquest and domain shall be the ultimate possession of God's people. He'll cause us to tread in our high places. Even the most horrifying setbacks. You think of Habakkuk here, think of the war, famine, exile. Uh, and he says, even, even the sting of death cannot break confidence in ultimate victory by the power of the resurrected one. That's wonderful. That's, that's true, isn't it? Even the sting of death cannot break confidence in ultimate victory by the power of the resurrected one. And whatever we may pass through, uh, united to Jesus Christ, ultimately, we will not die. Habakkuk says that we will not die because the Lord has saved his anointed. So there's, there's a future element to this, almost so sure that we can rejoice in it uh, in the present, right? that he makes me tread in my high places. But there's also, I think, the prophet speaking about his, his present life here and now. Uh, even when he speaks in verse 18 the, the, the fig tree should not blossom there'll be no fruit in the vines all these normal means of sustenance in life are, are stripped away he's still going to receive strength from the Lord in whom he trusts strength from the Lord in whom he trusts I was um, recently lent a uh, a series band of brothers a TV series based on the Easy Company uh, the 101st Airborne US Airborne Division and their, um, and their exploits in World War II uh, in D-Day and thereafter in, in, with the Allies in Europe and it's interesting the very first episode is really solely uh, concentrating on, on their training on, on their exercise they're being severely put to the test physically and mentally uh, why? Because they need to be strengthened uh, to serve well and to endure the trials, the real trials of battle. Uh, David actually goes on in verse 34 of that psalm. And he says, he trains my hands for war so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. So in other words, the, the provenance of God uh, trains or exercises our faith that we may be driven to Christ, we may be driven to find all our joy in him and thereby as us we find our joy in the Lord our God our covenant making, covenant keeping God and, and all that he has and is and will be is for, for us in Jesus Christ, that joy then strengthens us uh, to keep on going, to keep on believing, keep on trusting, keep on following him just a, a couple of points to close. Uh, the chapter, chapter 3 ends in verse 19 to the choir master with stringed instruments. So the psalm's a, it's a corporate psalm. It's for corporate worship. 
And uh, I think that's, that's really important. That's not an extra add-on uh, to the psalm. Corporate worship is, is the God-ordained means of grace. It's uh, where the Lord calls us to be gathered together. It's, it's within that context uh, that Habakkuk cries out. And we cry out, Lord, revive your work in the midst of years, make it known. And Roth, remember mercy. And it's in that context that uh, we receive also that joy and that strength that we need in Jesus Christ. It's a, it's a corporate setting, a corporate psalm. And I think that's important. That this actually, this uh, text is actually quoted in, in Hebrews 10, verse 24, in terms of the perseverance. Uh, of the saints. And it says there also in chapter 10, uh, not to neglect meeting together, uh, but, you know, encouraging all the more as we see the day approaching. And so if we want uh, this joy and, and the strength we need, uh, how important it is to be attending, to be at the means of grace where God God gives his blessing. as a, as a professor of mine used to say, God keeps his appointments. He's not restricted to his appointments, but God keeps his appointments. And then finally, God, the Lord, is my strength. But strength for what? Uh, what are we, in Hebrews, encouraging one another to do? Well, in strength and encouragement to continue living by faith. Uh, love and good works as we see the day of Christ drawing near. Uh, amidst all the, the temptations to give up, against, amidst all the, the difficulties and trials, uh, even, even as we may wait for things like revival and wait for special you know, outpourings of the Spirit, uh, it's the strength to keep on uh, carrying on keep on attending the means of grace, to keep on in prayer, uh, to keep on in our families, uh, bringing our families uh, before God day by day, uh, to keep on praying to him on our own, to continue uh, with the strength we need to continue uh, living for him, strength to, to continue witnessing to him, you know, whether in the workplace or in the school place. Uh, that's the strength that that God gives through Jesus Christ. So may we be granted the strength to endure, uh, endure whatever may come from his sovereign hand. Uh, and may we be given the strength to wait patiently for the Lord as he fulfills every promise of his word. I will rejoice, I will rejoice in the Lord, and will take joy and the God of my salvation. Amen. You've been listening to the Sermon Podcast for Gloucester Evangelical Presbyterian Church. You can find us out online at gloucesterpres, that's P-R-E-S dot co dot U-K. For more, thank you.